All right, Luke chapter 6, starting in verse 27, I'm going to read through 36. Jesus says, But I tell you who hear me, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. If someone strikes you on the cheek, turn to him the other also. By the way, that's not like a light slap. That's like if they punch you in the jaw. Go ahead and, go ahead and give them the other side to go for it. If someone takes your cloak, do not stop him from taking your tunic also. Give to everyone who asks you. And if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. Because if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners, expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High. Because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful, just as your father is merciful. Whew, that's not light. So I'm going to share four things with you, maybe surprising to you, taking a little different approach this morning, but I think it's important. So here's the first thing I want you to understand this morning. And it's just, we uh, were all enemies of God at one point. Okay? We were. Maybe you're here today and, and, and you haven't trusted Jesus yet. I'm not trying to offend you. I'm just saying the Bible says uh, that, that before we do that, we, we were categorized as, as enemies of God. Okay? And, and, and listen, I, that's hard for me to stomach. I'm, I became a Christian. I was 20. It's difficult for me to look back and go, okay, so for 20 years I was really God's enemy because I didn't feel like his enemy. You know, I just kind of felt like a pretty good person. I'm, I'm a pretty good person. I'm not like a, a bad person necessarily. I mean, I do some stuff, don't get me wrong. I'm not, a, I'm not his enemy. It's not like I wake up in the morning plotting how to get God. Like, oh, I'm going to get him today. I wasn't that kind of guy. Yet the Bible would, would teach me that I'm his enemy. And so I want to show you this this morning. And so uh, here, here's the deal, though. You say, why, why are we starting here, Pastor? Well, we're starting here because we are studying some of the hardest teachings of Jesus right here. In verse 27 and 28, uh, these teachings, these commands from, from Jesus uh, are what I would, I would call like radical. These are kind of radical calls. This is the stuff that sets Jesus apart, right? When, when he says, listen, I, I'm going to tell you love your enemies. That's what I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you bless those that curse you. I'm going to tell you to pray for those. That, and, and we're going, wait a second. That's, that's, that's crazy talk. That's crazy talk. But, but Jesus goes on. He's like, well, what good is it just to love the people that love you? The pagans do that. Uh, the ladies' conference this last weekend, uh, Jen Hatmaker said, what, 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 do you want a cookie? Like, like Jesus go, what, do you want a cookie for loving the people that love you back? Do you, do you want a cookie for giving to somebody after you run their credit report? You know, knowing that they can repay you? Like, well, what's the good in that? Anybody can do that. You can go to the bank and do that. Say, listen, there, there's something higher. There's something holier to this, this call. 
And, and, and guys, it's this kind of stuff that we find in, in 27 and 28. But I tell you, uh, hear me, love your enemies and, and do good to those that hate you and bless those that curse you and pray for those that mistreat you. It, it's this kind of stuff that, that, that we live in this watching world. They're always watching us. This is the kind of stuff that sets us apart, that makes us different. If, if we can do this kind of stuff. But here's the, the problem that I see. Most Christians I know don't like this kind of stuff. Most Christians that I know, I'm not trying to offend you, but, but we've entered into like this, this, this phase of life where we have different modes of Christianity. And so when we hear this stuff and Jesus says this kind of stuff, we, we, we enter into what I call defense and debate mode Christianity. Like, oh, wait a second. Hold on. Let's talk about this. Like, let's just stop and let's talk about this and let's try to explain this stuff away because it, it makes me a little uncomfortable, right? So, so we talk about the things of God in, instead of, you know, like doing them. And, and of course, we do this under like cool Christian um, terminology because we're religious folks. Remember, we're all recovering Pharisees. And so we, we do this under the, the title of like discipleship. Or, or even better, because we, we've been in church a little while, we picked up the word theology. I just want to write theology of God, you know? I mean, I, I want to write theology of love. He's talking about love. But let's, let's talk about that really. I mean, do we really have to love? I mean, what is, let's be honest. What, is, what does he mean by our enemy? Have you ever listened to how Jesus and the Pharisees respond? Those are questions that Pharisees ask. What, who, who's my enemy? That's a Pharisee's question. Right? What, well, what does he mean by those that hurt you? Pharisee? Well, what does he mean to those that curse you? Pharisee? You see, like, like that's where we are. And so if we're, if we're honest, that's, that's kind of the mode that we enter into. We read this kind of stuff. And we go, wait a second. So, so here's, here's our different approach this morning. We're, we're, we're just going to believe that Jesus didn't just teach these things um, so that we could think about them or talk about them, but he actually expected his followers to do them because that's what he's teaching. And so our approach to this passage, understanding that Jesus actually wants his followers to live out these, these commandments, these four commandments, is, is that we're not going to try to debate or determine what they mean. We're going to accept them at face value. And here they are, four commands of Jesus. By the way, according to Luke, these are truly Christ's first four commands. Just let some gravity and weight of that sit upon you for a moment. Here they are, Ready? In order. Love your enemies. Do good to those that hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those that mistreat you. These things aren't up for debate. They're crystal commands of Christ. And so as Christians, we've got to get out of that mode where we just want to explain them away and we just have to figure out, okay, so why instead? So that's our approach this morning. I, I just want to ask, why would Jesus teach his followers to live in this way? Why, like, how could anybody expect this of, of, of somebody else? How could, how could any human being, and, and Jesus was fully human, fully good, like, how could he call somebody out into this? Because this seems abusive to me, Right? If we're being honest, if we're in that debate mode and defense mode, well, wait a second. If we took these words literally, I mean, what would happen? Wouldn't we we just all be taken advantage of all the time? Wouldn't we? I want to walk through the whys so that you might understand why Jesus would call people into such a radical kind of lifestyle. And here's the first. Okay? We start with this truth that we have to love our enemies because 
we were God's enemies. And that's exactly what Jesus did for us. He, he loved us. I think the person that paints the best picture of this is probably the Apostle Paul, who, who vehemently opposed Jesus and the church. He was a persecutor of the early church. He would actually go get papers from Roman officials so he could round up Christians. They would take a lot of these early Christians and, and do uh, terrible things to them. Sometimes they would do mass drownings where they would get um, entire gatherings of Christians, uh, young, young, old, uh, you name it. They would tie them together. And uh, in, in, I mean, completely, they would push entire, uh, if you can imagine, hundreds of people tied together, pushing them off of bridges so that they'd, they'd have mass drownings. There wouldn't just be like crucifixions, but, but sometimes they would try to quarter people. And it was pretty ugly what they would, how they would try to persecute the early church. Paul was a part of that. And, and, and then Jesus interrupts his life and says, Paul, why are you doing this to me? You, you say that you love the Lord. Listen, I am the Lord. There's this great moment on the road to Damascus. His life is forever changed. And so the apostle Paul, he writes these words. He, he better than anyone else, understands who we are apart from Christ. And listen to what he, he writes in Colossians 1.21. He says, this includes you who were once far away from God. So, so, so though that, that's, uh, that's all of us. We were once far away from God. He says, you were his enemies. You were separated from him by your evil thoughts and your actions. We were all enemies of God. He says a similar thing in, in Romans. Romans chapter 5, verse 10. He says, for if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son. How much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Again, God's enemies. In, in Ephesians chapter 2, he says that, that because of this, because of the fact that we were God's enemies, we were actually objects of, of God's wrath. And so, so when Jesus speaks these words, when, when he says, hey, love your enemies, like why should I listen to that? Why is that important? Because this isn't something he just taught. This is actually something that Jesus did. He literally loved his enemies. He loved us. We're his enemies. Okay? So that's got to mean something too. Second thing I want you to see, okay, is this. That God loved us and he acted in love towards us while we were still his enemies. Okay? God, God loved us and he acted in love towards us while we were still his enemies. Now, most Christians I know, they're okay with the fact, like they, they know that God loves them. They kind of get that. I, a lot of non-Christians I know believe that God loves them. I, I was a non-Christian for a long time. And I remember that my grandmother had drugged me to Sunday school, you know, a little bit, like um, with bribing me with chocolate donuts and, and chocolate milk and those kind of things. And so I had a little bit of exposure, but not much. Um, just, just a handful of times that I was ever in Sunday school. But I, I remember they taught me this little song, you know, Jesus loves me this. I, I remember in college being drunk out of my mind and being alone and being upset and being uh, frustrated at life and, and, and wondering if things were worth it. And I remember going to bed uh, after whatever I had done that night, and it was always something. Uh, and that, that, that little, you know, the five, six times I was in Sunday school, that song was still in my head, Jesus loves me. And as I'm hugging my porcelain toilet girlfriend, you know, trying to get out all the alcohol from that night, I still remember those words in the back of my mind, Jesus loves me, this I know. I, I don't think people struggle with the thought that God loves them. This is what I think we struggle with. I think we struggle with how God loves us. Because we think that God loves us the way that we love other people, right? 
And, and, and let's face it, how, how, do, how, do we, how do we love people? This is what we, we struggle with. We, we, we think that his love for us hinges upon our behavior and our actions, that it hinges upon our performance because that's how our, our love for other people is, right? Our love for other people hinges upon their performance if we're, if we're being completely honest. Right? It, it, we, we, we think that if we're good and if we're nice and if we do all the things that we're supposed to do, well, yeah, then God loves us. He's crazy about us when we obey him all the time. I mean, if, if we're good and perfect and holy and righteous, yeah, God loves us. Now, now, now some of you are you're like, you're all quiet this morning because you know this is true, right? You're like, oh, gosh, I don't like this. Can we, can we exit? He's actually looking at me. I can't get up right now. It's because we walk into places like this every Sunday. We have this great guilt because we know exactly what we did throughout the week. And so we kind of put on a good smile and we got dressed up and put on some decent clothes. And, you know, and so we, we've come. We think that God's love hinges upon our performance. And so, so when we have a good week, God loves us, right? What happens when we have a bad week, which if I'm going to confess to you, I have more bad weeks than I do good weeks. Like, what happens in those times when we fail and we fall? What happens in those times when, 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 when we choose, we, we know what's good, but we choose what's not? What happens in those moments? How does God feel about us in? Well, if, if, if it's somebody else, if it's how I feel about somebody else, when they treat me that way, well, then I'm, I'm not crazy about them at that moment, right? So surely that's how God must feel about us. Maybe, maybe he's not crazy about me when I mess up, when I fall, when I fail. Here's the problem with that. That's not true. That's not how God loves. That's how we love, but that's not how God loves. And so God's love for us is, is not dependent upon our behavior. You've got to write that down somewhere. Seriously. God's love for us is not dependent upon our behavior. God's love is not based upon your performance. That, that, that should sink in for some of God's love is, is not um, like a passionate roller coaster kind of love that, that's up and then it's down. Um, it, 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 God's love for us is not like the, the love of a newlywed couple or, or, or the way that we love our friends. No, his love is more like the love of a, of, 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 of a couple that's been married for 65 years. You know what I'm saying? His love for us is more like the love that, that, that a, a parent has for a child. It's, it's unwavering. It's a commitment. It's a constant. I call it a no matter what kind of love. That's God's love for us. It's a no matter what kind of love. See, here's the truth. You need to hear it this morning. God has always loved you. It's the truth. God has always loved you. He has loved you when you've been angry at him. He has loved you when you didn't believe in him. He has loved you when when you gave up on him. He loved you when when you rejected him. He loved you when you shook his fist at him. He loved you when you, you cursed his name. God has always loved you. Romans 5, 8, it's beautiful. God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God loves us at our worst, and he loves us at our best. It's not about performance. Look at this, ready? You know what that is? That's freedom. You know what that is? That is, that is free. That is a, a deep, that is, that is a, 
a weight off of me. God's love for me is not based upon my performance, and I praise God for that, okay? Number three, because we have experienced this kind of love, because we have experienced the absurd generosity and love of God, we must share that same love with others. Because we have experienced the absurd generosity and love of God, we must share that same love with others. I, I love that phrase, uh, absurd generosity. I totally stole it from a guy named N.T. Wright, though I, I'm giving him credit, so it's legal, right? Uh, I, I was reading N.T. Wright this week, and I just, I loved it. He, he's like, this is absurd generosity. Like, this, this doesn't make sense. This kind of love of God that has nothing to do with your performance or whether or not you're going to love him back, like, like it just it doesn't register in the human mind. He's like, it's, it's absurd. And I was like, yes, yes it is. And, and, and here's the deal. Because we've experienced that kind of absurd generosity and love, we've got to share it with others. This is the heart of, of why we must live out these four commands, okay? Why should we love our enemies? Because God loved us when we were his enemies, right? Why, why um, do good to those that hate us? Because God did really, really good to us while we hated him. Why bless those that curse us? Because every blessing of God is ours in Christ. Even though we cursed him like a crew of sailors. Why pray for those that mistreat us? Because that's exactly what Jesus did for us. Go read John 17. Listen to his cries from the cross. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Can I let you in on a little secret? I believe this wholeheartedly. The Bible says Jesus is our intercessor. That wasn't a one-time prayer. Jesus is still praying that prayer. That prayer that he prayed as he was hanging on the cross and, and people were mocking him. That, that prayer, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. When we think about Good Friday and we think about the penalty and we think about the cross and Jesus today is still praying that prayer for you. He's still praying that prayer for me. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. That's huge. This is, uh, this is basically what Jesus was teaching in Matthew chapter 18 and the parable of the unmerciful servant. And so I'm, I'm going to turn there. If you want to turn there, you can. I'm going to read it quickly. It's Matthew 18, starting in verse 21. <coughs> Excuse me. It says this. It says, then Peter... Uh, came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And as he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 talents, it's like millions of dollars, was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. But the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged. I will pay back everything. The servant's master, that's the king, took pity on him and canceled the debt 
and he let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. It's like ten bucks. He grabbed him and he began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I'll pay you back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and he had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed. And they went and they told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all of that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owed. By the way, that's a picture of hell. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. The point is that we are to love others, forgive others, because God has done that for us. Because we've experienced the absurd generosity of God, we're we're called to live that out with with other people. We're we're called to share that same goodness, that same love with with other people. And so, uh, I'll give you one more and we'll be done. This is important. Bestowing absurd generosity on others, according to Jesus, is how people will know that we belong to Jesus. Bestowing absurd generosity on others is how people will know that we belong to Jesus. These weren't just words of Christ. This is who he was. It's in his DNA. This is his heartbeat. This is, this is what he existed to do and, and to be. This is what sets him apart. He didn't just speak these words. He lived them out. And according to, to Jesus, this is what is going to distinguish us as well. This is what's going to set us apart. Listen to what he says in John 13, 34 and 35. He says, a new command I give you. Love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. So this is why the call. So how do we apply it? It's pretty straightforward. Ready? It's craziness. We're going to actually take the Bible at face value. Here we go. Verse 27. Verse 27, as we get to application, uh, Jesus says, But I tell you, hear me. Remember I shared that story with you? This was like one of the first phrases that my oldest son Cole learned. We didn't know what he was saying. He was just talking. He was like, Yehanna, Yehanna. I was like, what is he talking about? And finally, one day, I said, Cole, do you hear me? And Hope goes, oh, that's what he's saying. I walked around the whole time. Do you hear me? Do you hear me? Jesus did the same thing. You hear me? Guys, you hear me? He's teaching right here. Listen, but I tell you he, who, who hear me. I, I tell you who hear me. Ready? Love your enemies. Start there. Here's your first application point this week. Love your enemies. Okay, Pharisees, how? Who? Who's my enemy? No, stop it. Love your enemies. Well, how much do I love them? Okay, I'll give in a little bit. Ready? Pharisees, I'm going to answer your question. Love them as much as God has loved you. Now you're thinking about asking questions again, aren't you? You're like, okay, I'm not going to ask. I'll just, sure. Be better if I was quiet. Two, do good to those who hate you. Somebody's still asking questions. I heard it. How much good? Again, 
I don't know. How much good has God done to you? Why don't you add it up and then go do that much good unto the people that hate you? Bless those who curse you. How much do I have to bless them? Gosh, you guys don't learn, do you? How much has God blessed you? Can I ask you this question? Is there any blessing that God has held back from you? Any. You say, but you don't understand, Pastor. They hate me. They curse my name. Is there any blessing that God has held back from you? Any. I think the answer to that is no. No, there's no blessing held back from me. Pray for those who mistreat you. How? The way that Jesus prayed for you. The way that he still prays for you. Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. For they know not what they do. Listen, uh, as I was praying through this last night, I, I ran into a roadblock. Anybody ever run into roadblocks? Right? Okay, be honest. You read these teachings, you're like, yeah, yeah, no, 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 no. And here's what I realized. I, I can never do this, ever. I, I, can't, I can't love my enemy. I can't bless those that curse me. I can't pray for those that mistreat me. I, 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 just, I, I can't do good to those that hate me. I can't do any of those things unless, unless I receive those things from God. So I, 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 there's no way for me to love the people that hate me unless I actually receive God's love. And I think this is where a lot of us struggle, remember, because we think that God loves us the way that we love him, the way that we love others. So we've thought that God's love is based upon our performance, and so many of you walk through the doors this morning, and that's exactly how you felt. You feel like failures, and because you feel like failures, you can't love anyone well. So we're going to try to change that this morning, okay? We're going to try to change that this morning. So where you are, bow your heads with me. Let's pray. Let's pray, and uh, let's see what the Lord has in store for us. Father, um, these words are difficult. Lord, they're, uh, they're hard, hard for us to do. But I believe wholeheartedly they are indeed what you're calling us to. And so this morning, um, Holy Spirit, I'm just going to ask that you would do work here. Because we need some work done here. Just do some work here this morning. Please, Jesus, it's in your name we ask these things.